from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. My, my sense is that the feeling in Pakistan is that perhaps we are being scapegoated for the lack of success in Afghanistan. Perhaps by, by the U.S.? By whoever. But, but lack of success by the U.S. mission in Afghanistan. No, it's a collective lack of, lack of success because it is not only U.S. mission in Afghanistan. I think it's a collective lack of success yeah. because there's NATO, there's every country is responsible. Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S., Izaz Chowdhury, sits down with Target USA to discuss growing resentment against the U.S. for what's taking place in Afghanistan and some recent incidents involving U.S. diplomats inside Pakistan have again ignited fury. Details and the latest developments coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. The U.S. and Pakistan have had a steady relationship for 70 years. But in that period, the affiliation has been beset by ups and downs. There's been a persistent complaint from many in the Pakistani community that the U.S. approach to Pakistan is driven by pragmatism. Voices from the U.S. intelligence community say the concealment of Osama bin Laden in Pakistan while a global manhunt dragged on for him for 10 years was evidence. Pakistan does the same. Still, the two nations need each other. But yet another misunderstanding, as characterized on this episode by Aziz Chowdhury, Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S., threatens to derail this critical relationship. Here's our conversation. What is the situation with U.S.-Pakistan relations right now? Well, United States is a very important country for Pakistan. This relationship is one of the highest foreign policy priorities for my country. Uh, the relationship uh, uh, can be viewed at two levels. At the government-to-government level, uh, the relationship has seen its up and ups and downs. Uh, and uh, presently also there are some misunderstandings which we are trying to sort out and we do hope that uh, uh, it will all work out at the people to people level however contacts have continued uh, and we are very proud of the uh, of the content of that relationship uh, for the last 70 years the misunderstandings that you refer to which ones are they I think the situation in Afghanistan uh, where uh, um, the security situation is deteriorating, uh, there is a feeling here in the United States as if Pakistan could be uh, responsible for that. Uh, and I have made it, uh, uh, you know, my mission to inform that the ground reality is, uh, is different. 
the security situation in Afghanistan is deteriorating. Uh, the territory under the control of Afghan National Security Forces uh, uh, is limited according to U.S. Uh, own reports like Cigar's report. It is 44% territory which is not in the government control. Likewise, there are uh, uh, reports of corruption. Uh, there are reports of green-on-green uh, uh, green attacks, growing green-on-blue attacks. Uh, again, all these coming from cigar. Um, and there is also a huge drug trade, uh, an area uh, bigger than uh, Rhode Island State is under cultivation of opium, according to a UNODC report. Uh, now, these are uh, major issues which uh, have created a situation in Afghanistan. Uh, uh, Pakistan does not support Taliban or Haqqanis. We believe that they are Afghans. Our message to them is very clear. You should go to Afghanistan, give up violence, and join the political mainstream in Afghanistan. Uh, and we are squeezing space on Taliban and Haqqanis, and we will continue to squeeze space on them uh, because we care for whatever U.S. tells us. We want to work together with the United States to stabilize Afghanistan, uh, to uh, eliminate terrorism. And we believe uh, working together uh, between Pakistan and United States work together would be uh, would be most beneficial. Pakistan wants to see peace in Afghanistan more than any other country mm -hmm. because it is us who suffer from the instability there uh, than anyone else. Ambassador, why would the U.S. then, you, do you believe they're making these things up or creating these these concerns out of nowhere, out of, out of, out of the thin air? Or, or, do, do you think that there's some some basis for the U.S. government to be concerned about uh, possible Pakistan uh, involvement in some of these issues? Well, I don't know on what basis uh, the, these reports, this assessment has been made, but I am telling you what we have done in the last couple of years is phenomenal. We have uh, been successful in reversing the tide of terrorism. We have uh, eliminated all safe havens and hideouts from tribal areas. Every inch of that territory is now secured. Uh, political mainstreaming uh, is now being envisaged for that whole area. Uh, the terrorists are on the run. Uh, and we are now conducting intelligence based operation to sniff them out of the urban centers from where if they are hide they may be hiding uh, safe havens have actually emerged in eastern afghanistan from which attacks are mounting being mounted uh, against pakistan uh, so my my sense is that the feeling in pakistan is that perhaps we are being scapegoated for the lack of success in afghanistan by, by the us by whoever. But lack of success by the U.S. mission in Afghanistan. No, it's a collective lack of, lack of success because it is not only U.S. mission in Afghanistan. I think it's a collective lack of success yeah. because there's NATO, there's every country is responsible uh, for that. So therefore, we need to work together. We need to have better intelligence sharing. We need to have better contact. In fact, we need more contacts now than we need it in the past because we need to finish up what we started together, i.e. eliminate safe havens, uh, terrorism, and stabilize Afghanistan. I think that part we need to do. 
So that is a very, that's a very basic understanding that you and your predecessors have communicated to the U.S. for many years. And over the years that I've been covering this issue, at least 12, 14, 15 years, that's been the same message. What is the problem now? Is this, is it the new administration? Is it new developments? Is it the state of the world, the evolution of, 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 of terrorism and the Taliban and the Haqqanis? Why is there a problem now that uh, supposedly was better, a situation that was better some years ago? I think the, there is a perception gap in the U.S. Uh, when I came here last year, I noticed that gap. I found that the the reality of today's Pakistan is not that well being appreciated here. What we have achieved since June of 2014, when our armed forces moved into North Waziristan, and ever since this whole cleanup that we have done uh, to eliminate terrorism from Pakistan uh, is still not being fully recognized and appreciated here. Uh, we have lost over 6,000 soldiers, 17,000 injured, 23,000 civilians, and $125 billion of economic loss. But our people are happy that we have reversed the tide of terrorism at a time and in a region which is still grappling with it. Now, this part needs to be understood here that Pakistan has entered into a phase where the leadership of Pakistan has committed to the people of Pakistan that we will not allow any terrorist to remain in our, on our soil and we will not allow anyone to, to plan any terrorism from, from our soil. So therefore, we are moving ahead. But we think that our gains will be tentative and at risk if Afghanistan next door is not stable because there is a huge porous border. We are expelling these people, but these people can come back. So we are now focusing on border management. We are putting out fence there. We are, and we want the United States and Afghanistan to help us secure that border so that bad guys don't cross this border. Either way, not from Pakistan to Afghanistan, do bad things and come back. Not from Afghanistan to Pakistan, do bad things. Bona fide travelers are very welcome to, uh, you know, cross over but not terrorists. Mm -hmm. I think it is on our shared and joint interest to manage this border better. And Pakistan, from its own resources, is doing exactly that. Mm -hmm. So as we look at this situation with the U.S. and Pakistan uh, continuing to develop, um, aside from Afghanistan, there have been other issues that have from time to time bubbled up and caused issues. Some years ago, there was an American citizen who was involved in a, a shooting. Uh, there, uh, several Pakistan citizens were were involved as well. I think maybe one or two were killed, and that's problematic in any country. But it's my understanding that there's been another situation of recent uh, involving U.S. diplomats. Um, one is the second secretary, Chad Rex Osborne, uh, hit a bike uh, rider in his car uh, not too long ago. Uh, and I understand that there was some concern about that situation and uh, a U.S. embassy official charged with obstruction. What is the situation with that right now? Well, uh, the, we have uh, informed the U.S. government that the matter will be handled in accordance with the law of the land and the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations of 1961. 
uh, I believe the two governments are in touch, and this is being discussed in the in Islamabad. So, this situation regarding the second secretary, or the situation involving the embassy security official, which which I believe is a, a Pakistan national, is that correct? Well. I don't have full details on this matter because this is being handled in Islamabad and as I indicated to you. So, but we're not talking about the American being prosecuted. We're talking about the other person. Yo, you see, there were two incidents. Yes, I, I'm, not, I'm getting to that one in just a moment. But All right. This was the first one involving the uh, individual. Well, I think uh, uh, we... Um, this is my sense that our Ministry of Foreign Affairs and U.S. Embassy in Islamabad are talking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, there are legal dimensions of it. There are, um, uh, you know, other issues involved. And therefore, uh, I cannot uh, make a, a comment on a situation which is still being discussed between the two governments. Okay. So there is the second situation involving Colonel Hall. Mm -hmm. um, and he, this is the situation, as I understand it, please correct me if I'm wrong, where he's being prohibited from moving around uh, and his immunity status is not being recognized, at least according to what I've been told by sources. Is that accurate? Uh, I, I'm not too sure whether your statements are correct. I believe that government of Pakistan would follow uh, mm, not only our law of the land, but also the diplomatic uh, immunities and the uh, privileges that are enshrined in the 1961 Vienna Convention. Uh, I believe uh, the uh, father of the person who lost his life had gone to Islamabad High Court, uh, which uh, has reserved its judgment. Uh, I don't know what that judgment would be. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, the two governments are also talking about this matter, how to resolve it amicably. I hope that it would be resolved and settled by mutual consultation um, in accordance with our laws and the, and the international law. The U.S. State Department says the individual involved in this matter is an accredited diplomat. And in accordance with the Vienna Convention, as you said, like all diplomats, is immune from criminal, civil, and administrative jurisdiction of the Pakistani authorities for this matter and cannot be arrested, detained, or prevented from leaving Pakistan. Is that your understanding? Well, I understand uh, that uh, he is uh, uh, not under detention. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so he's under detention. But the matter is being handled uh, there, and I think consultations are going on. I don't have the latest to uh, inform you on that. So one more quick question mm -hmm. on that matter. If those convention uh, details are, 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 are in play here, then what else could there need, would there need to be uh, handled as, as it relates to that? Why wouldn't he be put on a plane and sent home immediately? Well, I think uh, if a life has been lost, something has to happen somewhere. Normally, what people do, I don't know whether it would happen in this case, normally the person is tried somewhere. Uh, either by the sending state or by the host state, I don't know. If the immunity is waived, then the trial takes place in the host state. If immunity is not waived, and then trial takes place by the sending state, I don't know. This all would need to be resolved uh, through uh, discussions, uh, which I believe are currently underway. Is it your understanding that somehow someone must pay for the loss of life for this individual, this person who 
was involved in this. I think that is the expectation in the interest of justice. I don't know. Again, but it's a general statement uh, uh, that uh, uh, anyone who has been aggrieved would like a redressal of his grievance. So this is a general statement that yeah. you are making. That's Aizaz, Ahmad Chowdhury, ambassador from Pakistan to the U.S. When we come back after a short break, do you remember Dr. Shaquille Afridi? He's the Pakistani physician who helped the CIA run a fake hepatitis vaccine program in Abbottabad to confirm Osama bin Laden's presence in that city. Well, now there's talk that he might be released. Well, the two governments have been from time to time talking uh, uh, with each other to find some kind of solution. We'll find out if that solution is possible when we come back to Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. On this program, I've been talking to Aizaz Chowdhury, Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S., and we've discussed numerous issues plaguing relations between the two countries. We've also heard from Chowdhury that there is hope the latest problems can be worked out and relations can improve. One of the possible developments that might help is news that the two are considering a prisoner swap. The two people in question are Dr. Shaquille Afridi, who helped the U.S. government with an elaborate scheme to fake a hepatitis vaccine program in Abbottabad, Pakistan, that eventually helped confirm the location of Osama bin Laden. The rest is history. He is in prison in Pakistan. Also in this conversation is Afia Siddiqui, an MIT-trained Pakistani neuroscientist who, in 2010, was convicted of seven counts of attempted murder and assault of U.S. personnel and is serving her 86-year sentence in Fort Worth, Texas. I asked Ambassador Chowdhury about those reports. A source told me that Dr. Shaquille Afridi has been transported from Peshawar to a jail near the village of Adalia, uh, which is located near the border with Pakistan's, uh, Pakistan and India. Uh, and this, as I understand, took place amidst heavy security, and I'm sure you've seen these reports and stories. And there are questions about whether he, an alleged CIA agent, was about to be released and transported back to the U.S. This is the individual who was involved in the vaccination campaign and was arrested some time ago. What can you tell us about this situation? Well, I don't have the latest on this. Um, I have seen the media reports like you have. Uh, I believe Dr. Shkila Afridi had violated the laws of Pakistan and his case was being uh, tried. Uh, and he has been uh, uh, serving uh, some detention, some kind of, uh, uh, you know. So I, I don't know the latest on this. These are the media reports. I cannot uh, uh, say anything about this. Would you, from your personal point of view, think that this is something that would or should be considered? No, I believe that uh, uh, that if he violated certain laws of the land, he ought to be accountable mm -hmm. for that. Do you think he's paid the price already? I don't know. I, I cannot say that because that's not for me to judge. Mm. Um, at some point, do you think that would be an option? to release him uh, in a trade? 
because that's what I understand may be considered a trade for other others, Pakistani nationals uh, from the U.S. Uh, the woman Sadiqi, uh, I believe is her name, who was involved and arrested some years ago in a terror attack was the person that I've been told has been discussed as a possible trade. Would that be something that you would think uh, amenable? Well, the two governments have been from time to time talking uh, uh, with each other to find some kind of solution. Uh, but I don't uh, know if any agreement has been reached on any of these matters. Mm-hmm. Um, very last thing on that point. Would this, if it could be worked out, would this be a good step for U.S.-Pakistani relations? Well, I do, again, as I said, this is something that we have not even started negotiating, uh, and uh, um, it will all depend whether an amicable solution can be found. The overall objective, of course, would be uh, that the two governments should be able to remove the uh, points of divergence and uh, and focus on points of convergence. So that would be the overall approach. But I don't know, honestly, uh, uh, to I don't want to prejudge as to what would be the outcome of any such negotiations as and when they take place. Very last thing, um, as you look at this administration, the Trump administration, and and some of the things that were said early on. And, and, and some of which we talked about this earlier this year, I believe. We did an interview, in, you were in Pakistan, mm-hmm. and we talked about this, the relations between the Pakistan, Pakistan and, the, and the U.S. Um, you know, one of the very first things the president did was issue a treat, uh, uh, sorry, a tweet, mm-hmm. uh, accusing Pakistan of deception, lies, and providing safe ha- haven to terrorists. And mm-hmm. you've addressed that already today. Um, have you seen any improvement? In the in the in the the Trump administration's point of view, because there was also this point of suspending aid to Pakistan because of its alleged assistance to the Taliban and the Haqqani network. Have you seen any improvement from the administration uh, from the earlier positions on well, these matters? In the in the last few months, we certainly have seen improvements in two domains. One, that uh, mm, uh, negative statements about, in, about Pakistan in general uh, are not being issued. Uh, mm, my contacts with uh, the U.S. government are, you know, frequent, uh, and uh, we have very good conversations. Uh, the second, uh, there is a greater emphasis now uh, in the wake of August 21 strategy of South Asia uh, uh, on reconciliation and on finding a political solution in Afghanistan. And we can see the Kabul process. We can see that U.S. has made very concerted efforts to promote reconciliation, which we think will be a good step forward, as well as other elements of that overall comprehensive political approach. Uh, Because we are quite convinced that there is no military solution in Afghanistan. And uh, we do see that those signs uh, of uh, a positive movement in that regard. Uh, we hope that we can make uh, this progress result in, in finding lasting peace in Afghanistan. So, something you said a little earlier in this interview regarding the uh, 
scapegoating uh, of mm -hmm. Pakistan because of lack of success mm -hmm. in some elements of activities in which the mm -hmm. U.S. and other countries are involved in, mm -hmm. in the region. Um, not having a military solution, not recognizing that there's no military solution. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that's one of the reasons for the problems that have existed in the region? Uh, well, between the U.S. and Pakistan is the lack of recognition that this can't be won militarily. Do you think that's one of the issues? Well, the reason why I use the word scapegoating was that while Pakistan has done so much in eliminating terrorism, reversing the tide of terrorism, and putting terrorists on the run, it's not being acknowledged. And the situation in Afghanistan is far from just Pakistan. So it is when, when we are held responsible for this, it is perceived in Pakistan that as if we are being scapegoated mm. to explain yeah. the failure in Afghanistan. Now, on the military solution, when August 21 strategy was announced, it was announced that, that now the approach will be conditions-based, which means that the United States will stay in Afghanistan until its objective is achieved. Now, what is the objective? Objective was that we will not allow Afghanistan to become a safe haven for militants who could then plan attacks like 9-11 in any part of the world. So that is the objective. So U.S. forces were given greater engagement, uh, which they have, according to U.S. sources, they have dropped more munitions, three times more munitions uh, in 2017 than 2016. This is uh, coming from uh, uh, New York Times and other, uh, other sources. Uh, we have been constantly saying that a comprehensive political approach is required, whereby kinetics, use of force, should be subservient to that political strategy. And uh, we do now see the signs of, clear signs of uh, move in that direction. There should be a peace and reconciliation. There should be border management. There should be refugees issue to be handled. Three million refugees, 38 years in Pakistan. Now there is a security dimension to it because they are 15-year-old, 16-year-old are now being recruited by these terrorists to commit terrorism in Pakistan. So we need to find a solution to that. And then we also need to find solution to the drug trade because that's making a lot of money available. We also need to find ways to ensure that Afghan national security forces are gaining territory under their control so that militants do not have that large territory available to them. And we also need to uh, make sure that Daesh and ISIS does not take roots in Afghanistan. They are already here in eastern Afghanistan, which is a big source of concern for Pakistan because that's neighboring Pakistan. So we, and then we also need a political, a, a sort of regional consensus that all states will not use Afghanistan for their own strategic objectives. For instance, Pakistan has a grievance that India is using Afghan soil to create instability in Pakistan, in Balochistan and other parts of Pakistan. So similarly, the others would have their own grievances. So we need a consensus that we all need to give peace a chance in Afghanistan. All countries, all Afghan neighbors and others need to be 
involved and need to be engaged in this in forging in this regional consensus that afghanistan should be allowed to function on uh, as a sovereign independent stable prosperous country and we should all help and facilitate in bringing that objective to reality uh, and not use afghanistan for any strategic purposes by any country so this kind of comprehensive approach is required and we do hope that united states and pakistan would continue to work in that direction we do see see signs of that and we hope that we need we we would move in that direction okay very last thing from me and then anything you'd like to add any specific message you would send to the president when you speak to him or if in if you could well uh, i would say to uh, to anyone who is listening that pakistan means well that pakistan means peace that pakistan and united states go back in time for 70 years we have been friends and we should stay friends i believe both pakistan and united states have worked together there is a million plus pakistani american diaspora who are uh, patriotic americans and of pakistani heritage and they are also serving uh, in a very positive way not only the us society but also to bring pakistan and us closer and so that would be my message anything you want to add that i haven't asked you about that you think is important well i i think that you are doing a marvelous job wtop is a very popular uh, uh, platform i know many people and thank you very much for uh, taking our viewpoint because americans need to hear from us that how much we appreciate and uh, cherish the values that this country has and the leadership that this country has shown uh, we do hope that pakistan and united states will stay together will work together thank you ambassador thank you very much Aizaz Chowdhury, ambassador from Pakistan to the U.S. Coming up on our next program, something a little different. I've spent my entire career as a journalist and an an avid watcher of news, particularly when it comes to national security news. And one of the things that's really frustrated me over the years as a watcher of news is not being able to really know how much of an expert someone is when they're put up on television and, and called an expert on a particular topic. That's Suzanne Kelly, a former network television intelligence correspondent who got tired of the guessing game and instead of waiting for the TV networks to get it right, she started her own outfit called the Cipher Brief. What I really wanted to do, I felt like national security was so important to get right that we had to have people, we had to be hearing from people who actually had real expertise. They've been in these jobs, they've led organizations. We needed to have people who were able to strip the politics out of it enough so that we could bring some common sense understanding of the issues and a clearer idea of what policy maybe should look like moving forward. And we needed to be able to deliver that to people on a regular basis. So what exactly is the cipher brief? How does it work? What's their objective? And where can you find them? Coming up on our next episode of Target USA. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Please subscribe to our podcast. And also, let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.
If you like this podcast, check out the Dennis Miller Option every Wednesday at Podcast One. The snarky king of comedy is back to provide his no-holds-barred opinion on current events, politics, pop culture, and whatever else is on his mind. Check out the Dennis Miller Option at Podcast One and Apple Podcast. Also, remember to rate and review. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.